Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 2 Kings chapter 2 from the World English Bible. When Yahweh was about to take Elijah up by a whirlwind into heaven, Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Please wait here, for Yahweh has sent me as far as Bethel. Elisha said, As Yahweh lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that Yahweh will take away your master from your head today? He said, Yes, I know it. Hold your peace. Elijah said to him, Elisha, please wait here, for Yahweh has sent me to Jericho. He said, As Yahweh lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that Yahweh will take away your master from your head today? He answered, Yes, I know it. Hold your peace. Elijah said to him, Please wait here, for Yahweh has sent me to the Jordan. He said, As Yahweh lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. Then they both went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood opposite them at a distance, and they both stood by the Jordan. Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the waters, and they were divided here and there, so that they both went over on dry ground. When they had gone over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be on me. He said, You have asked a hard thing. If you see me when I am taken from you, it will be so for you. But if not, it will not be so. As they continued on and talked, behold, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. He saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. He also took up Elijah's mantle that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. He took Elijah's mantle that fell from him and struck the waters and said, Where is Yahweh, the God of Elijah? When he also had struck the waters, they were divided apart and Elisha went over. When the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho facing him saw, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. They came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. They said to him, See now, there are with your servants fifty strong men. Please let them go and seek your master. Perhaps Yahweh's spirit has taken him up and put him on some mountain or into some valley. He said, Don't send them. When they urged him until he was ashamed, he said, Send them. Therefore they sent fifty men, and they searched for three days, but didn't find him. They came back to him while he stayed at Jericho, and he said to them, 
didn't I tell you don't go? The men of the city said to Elisha, Behold, please, the situation of this city is pleasant, as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the land is barren. He said, Bring me a new jar and put salt in it. Then they brought it to him. He went out to the spring of waters and threw salt into it and said, Yahweh says, I have healed these waters. There shall not be from there any more death or barren wasteland. So the waters were healed to this day, according to Elisha's word, which he spoke. He went up from there to Bethel. As he was going up by the way, some youths came out of the city and mocked him and said to him, Go up, you baldy, go up, you baldy. He looked behind him and saw them and cursed them in Yahweh's name. Then two female bears came out of the woods and mauled forty-two of those youths. He went from there to Mount Carmel, and from there he returned to Samaria. That is the end of chapter 2. In this part of the account, we find out right away that Yahweh is about to take up Elijah by a whirlwind into heaven. But first, Elijah and Elisha are going to go on a bit of a hike. I looked up a map showing these locations in my Bible atlas from the American Bible Society, and it seems they made a loop. Gilgal is just west of the Jordan, a touch northeast of Jericho. From Gilgal to Bethel is about 12 or 13 miles. Bethel to Jericho is about 10 miles. And Jericho to the bank of the Jordan looks like it's about 5 miles. So Elisha had to persevere for 28 miles or so. From verse 3, we know that at least from Bethel to Jericho to the River Jordan was on the same day, so at least 15 or so miles. I also found a very interesting article on a website called JesusPlusNothing.com discussing the meaning of each of these places. In summary, Gilgal was where Joshua and the people crossed over the Jordan, set up stones, and were circumcised because they had neglected to be circumcised while they were wandering that 40 years in the wilderness. So it symbolizes entering into the covenant with God. Bethel was named by Jacob in Genesis 28 when he was on his way to Padan Aram to get a wife. This is where he stopped for the night and had the dream about the ladder going to heaven, and God spoke to him specifically of being next in line for the promise. And then Bethel means the house of God. Jericho, you all know, is where Israel had its first battle after crossing the Jordan River. It was a test of faith. They had a very unusual battle plan, which was really them following God's directions and God acting. And then the Jordan River is a metaphor for entering the promised land, which in this case, Elijah actually did backwards compared to what the children of Israel did when they entered the promised land. As Elijah and Elisha are going along in their circuit there, three times this group or a group called the Sons of the Prophets, different groups in each place, show up, but only two times do they speak to Elisha. The third time, they just watch like they know it's going to happen now, so there's no point in saying anything. The third group seems to be standing on the other side of the Jordan, And while the Jordan is associated symbolically with death and new life, like we said, Elijah is going backwards in the opposite direction. So he's leaving the land of Israel. I wonder if this is symbolic of him leaving for now and uh, looks forward to the idea of the two witnesses in Revelation 11.3, where he will come back and do another job. 
Elijah using his mantle to divide the waters here is notable in that it is the only mention of him using an object for a miracle. Other times he just declared. I think he did it for Elisha's benefit, both as a demonstration and as a statement to watchers when the mantle was then let to fall from him to Elisha so Elisha could obtain it. It helped establish Elisha's role as prophet, much like Jesus's miracles established him as our God and Savior. God doesn't leave us without ample evidence of his nature and intentions. In David Gusick's commentary, he directs a better understanding to Elisha asking for a double portion. This is based on Deuteronomy 21.17. In this passage in Deuteronomy, it talks about the firstborn getting a double portion of inheritance. So asking for a double portion is like saying, just establish me metaphorically as your successor, but also to be verified with Yahweh's power. So it's not asking for twice as much power. It's asking for recognition to be the firstborn successor. In verse 11, then we see that although the chariot of fire and horses separated them, Elijah went up in a whirlwind. It doesn't say he went up in the chariot of fire. So the whirlwind as spoken of in verse 1. The fire made me think of Yahweh's fire guiding and protecting the Israelites in the wilderness. I think the fire here could, among other things, have been protecting Elisha from the whirlwind It is also an interesting combination of the godly fire that Elijah used repeatedly and a symbol of the all-consuming, purifying nature and strength of God, he who told Israel not to rely on earthly horses and chariots to win their battles. Elisha's tearing of his clothes in verse 12 also seems twofold to represent both grief and preparing to leave behind his servant role and take up Elijah's mantle. When in verse 14 he says, Where is Yahweh, the God of Elijah? In the context, it's him claiming in faith what has clearly been stated about him. Yahweh is his God, but his new role is being passed from Elijah and how Elijah served God. And the response is the water's parting. The passing of the baton is complete and publicly spectacular. Thus, he is shown respect by those 50 sons of the prophets of Jericho, who are observing now. So Elisha goes back across the Jordan and enters the promised land again. The term sons of the prophets can be a little obscure. Holman's Bible Dictionary on studylight.org says that this is speaking of a group or community of prophets and says the only other place in the Bible that a similar term is used is in 1 Kings 20 verses 35 through 42. And this was the incident where a certain man of the sons of the prophets was asking other prophets to hit him so he could give the visual representation to Ahab of his prophecy. But also a company of prophets is talked about in 1 Samuel 10 and also in chapter 19. The reaction of the sons of the prophets to Elijah's disappearance is kind of like Obadiah's concerns, which he talks about in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 9 through 14, about Elijah getting carried off by Yahweh's spirit. So Obadiah wasn't the only one who thought Elijah might just travel that way. And then we have another three seeming to indicate verification 
of the similar thing to Jesus's three days in the grave. He had really died, and here Elijah had really gone up to heaven. In verses 20 through 22, Elisha performs his second recorded miracle, the parting of the Jordan being the first, and this miracle is similar to Moses healing the waters in Exodus chapter 15. Now for Elisha, here in this miracle, he immediately and clearly says, Yahweh says, I will do such and such. So he has now stepped fully and confidently into his role. But think about it. It is like healing Jericho, Jericho that wasn't supposed to be rebuilt, as we remember from 1 Kings 16.34. But people live there now, and Yahweh provides for them. It says, the men of the city come to Elisha as Yahweh's representative and ask. They are seeking Yahweh, and he meets them where they are. Now, in verse 23, Elisha goes back to Bethel, which, remember, is currently one of the centers of idol worship that Jeroboam set up. And remembering this helps put the account of the 42 youths into perspective. I reviewed an Answers in Genesis article about this incident, which I will link to, which is a very thorough discussion of this incident. In short, youth does not mean toddlers or even young children. It can mean anything. The Hebrew that is translated to youth can mean anything from an older teenager to someone around age 41, because that's how uh, the advisors to Rehoboam were described. But it could also refer to immaturity. Elijah and Elisha were just there in Bethel. So these youths, whatever age they are, know about Elijah and Elisha. And then also word has gotten around about Elijah going up. The gang is mocking Elisha. And because he so obviously is Yahweh's representative, they are also mocking Yahweh. And then they tack on making fun of his appearance because that's what bullies do. When in verse 24, Elisha curses them, he doesn't request anything specific. Recall our discussion of a curse in an earlier episode. A curse often means to call for righteous judgment, as in Hebrews 6, 8. And in this case, it was a penalty for their disobedient ungodliness. They are declaring their unbelief, which brings condemnation, as Jesus himself states in John 3, 18. It was Yahweh who decided on the form of justice appropriate. I find myself wondering how just two bears mauled all 42 of them, Obviously, there are other incidences where God creates confusion among the enemy so that more uh, havoc is wreaked among them, but it also could be another indication of the young man's complete stupidity. And yes, mauling is very severe any way you look at it. Either they died and or they suffered greatly. Apathy or ignorance are bad enough, and consider many of the kings of the northern kingdom and even Judah They have that apathy and ignorance mix somehow, following false gods, but God keeps doing miracles and calling them back and warning them. But directly mocking God, well, we have examples like Goliath and then also Ben-Hadad in 1 Kings 20. In Galatians 6-7, Paul also reminds us that God will not be mocked. Mocking is like challenging God's unique nature. It didn't go well for Satan and it won't go well for any man that tries it. 
So at the end, we have Elisha going to Mount Carmel. It doesn't say why, but recall that this is where Elijah called down fire on the drenched sacrifice and then proceeded to kill the 450 prophets of Baal. And then Elisha goes to Samaria, which is the capital city, the place where the king of the northern kingdom rules. Elisha has kings to talk to in Yahweh's name. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today but not the end of our journey.